Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Let's think for a minute about the heart of, of God and how he speaks specific things at specific times. You know, one of the things that um, we have to remember is that we are not meant to sort through lots of information from lots of different sources. And that's really what's happened with social media. It makes everyone ineffective. Because you watch, let's just talk ministry-wise. Let's not even talk about world stuff. But ministry-wise, I can, I can, I thought you were telling me something because you had that. That's good. She, okay. Ministry-wise, I have to be careful. I know who I'm fathered by. I don't deviate from that. God told me a long time ago, I used to never be able to see metaphorically and so, you know, what, what, what do we do as humans when we want to know something? We just get it. We just look at who's teaching about it. Who's talking about it? how many books, how many have done that? Be honest. Stop. Listen, that messes us up because everyone has a mandate from God and those who have produced materials, they just produce it out of their mandate. But you've got to find out what you receive from. That's why my heart is to, I mean, we're going to have parenting classes and some marriage stuff, and we're going to have some newcomer stuff. We've got all kinds of stuff planned, but the heart of it is what? Is to to actually uh, invite someone into how the Father speaks to this house. And so I have to be really careful because there's all kinds of people producing all kinds of stuff. How many have gotten in trouble by reading too much Dr. Google? I mean, let's just be honest. Or DuckDuckGo or wherever you're going. And the reality is, is that when you attach to something fully, I think Bill said it. Actually, I think I wrote it down. I mentioned it to the guys. Our authority is connected to our mission, and we have no more authority than, we, than how committed we are to the mission. So One Life has a mission, and it's pretty simple, right? It's to walk in the prophetic, to be led through apostolic leadership who has a blueprint, and to fulfill what's on God's heart. So what do you think's on God's heart? People. People are on God's heart. And so we don't focus on getting saved every day because we would rather disciple. And discipling takes more time than getting saved. It takes more investment, right? Maturing just takes time. You know, think about it. If you've ever had children... I mean, you kind of, you know, I have a puppy, so it's the same thing. So, don't you, you like it when they're potty trained, right? It's, it's, it's a new level, and there's a little bit, little bit more freedom, right? But they're probably 12, 13, 14 maybe before they stop just throwing up just right there on the couch. You know what I'm talking about? You know? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where, you know, Yeah. You where you just where you're sick and you just turn over and 
I think I was 12 the last time I did that, and I realized, I think I need to make it to the bathroom. I think I can. I think I can. Right? My mom didn't have to spank me. Tell me quit throwing up on the couch, right? Come on. I only threw up like three times in my whole life, but I'm just saying. That's the way maturity is in the kingdom. You just long for the day where we can make it to the bathroom on our own. Are you, are you with me at all? But there's so much more. That's just a relief for the leader, for the parent. There's so much more, right? And so we don't ever want to get a, these small mindsets that say, well, I've reached it. I'm golden. I'm good. Or, you know, my favorite one on Independent Island. Everybody on Independent Island says this. Why well, think you're, you're too busy? Well, that's just, that's just the shirt at, that you wear on Independent Island. I mean, like you wear it and you look at it. Oh, yeah, they're too busy. Right? And so God is inviting us into accountability. That's my point. Not because I have time to control you. But I have a desire to train you. And if I don't know what's going on with you, I mean, I just appreciate, I mean, y'all may think I'm busy, but I just appreciate a text. Someone sent me a text this week that hadn't sent me one. And I just appreciated her letting me know where she was. I think I helped her. She's here today, so maybe I helped her. And I just appreciated just giving a chance. I didn't, I didn't say I was giving her lifelong counsel and this was a full dissertation of everything she should do in her life, but here's what the Holy Spirit just told me about that one particular situation, and I was sure to phrase it that way. But see, that created a relationship between us. I don't deserve trust. People don't have to trust me. I, I can prove that I'm trustworthy. I have no problem proving it. But see, it's your life... And I want peace for you. And one of, that's one of the abundances of God. And so think about if God, if this is important to him right now, this means that you stand on the cusp of an opportunity to step into something that you're not currently ex- having and existing in. I haven't even given you the list of the abundances that, I mean, there's, they're unlimited, but I just have a, I think I, I'm on 11, 12, or 13 right now. Um, that maybe we'll do Wednesday. But right now we're just setting the groundwork for why he even wants to talk about abundance. Because it's his nature to be extravagant with you. Listen, we would just have one hair on our head if he wasn't extravagant. (laughs) Think, really? I know, I know. I was was trying to not. Think, Think for a minute if we all just had one piece of hair on our heads and we were comparing that how long have you gotten yours well mine's seven inches (laughs) i mean this is what we do really right as orphans we just look at the tiny little bit of something we have and we compare it to each other and we and our goal as orphans is is to not need and you're and you're so needy and so since God's so abundant, let's just go ahead and fall in. Let's just fall in to abundance. That means I will, he says, I will supply every need according to how good you are. 
Does anybody know this scripture? According to his abundance. Is he rich? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know he's rich? How do you know it? How do you know it? How do you personally know it? How do you know God is rich? See, my awareness of what he has determines what I get. If I think God is mad at me, it'll limit how much love I experience from him. If I think God's keeping track of what I've done wrong, it'll experience if I take risk. I won't take risk. Do you see my awareness of how I construct the riches of God in my mind determine how I function in life? Can you see that? So he's just trying to change a couple things in our heads. You know, one of the things I'm going to be talking about is time. It's one of the abundance of God. We have an abundance of earthly time. Anybody that thinks they don't have time, they're an orphan. That's what an orphan says. An orphan lists all the things they don't have. I want to help you. Just trying to set you up a little bit. Cheryl's cracking up. Um, okay. So on your little handout, I think I started, I think I made it. Didn't I make it to the Magnificent Promises? I think I did. Let's just read Second Peter again. I'm not going to stop, okay, because this is, I've got to move on. Cece says, I can't read a sentence of the word without going into a 30-minute dissertation about how I feel about it. But I'm going to try. Everything, say everything, everything, we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. It's not you. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him. Do you know Him? Yes. How many know Him? How many know Him? Great! This is all of us. I have I have 100% participation. I think that was 100%. Per- it's been so long since I had that. Let me just think about it for a minute. That felt really good. <sighs> That's what that feels like. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name. Does he know your name? Yes. And, and invited. Did you get your invitation? Yes. Did everybody get their invitation? Yes. Super. To come to him. Come. What, what's our part? Coming to him. That's your part. Are you coming every day? Yes. It's every day. All right. Through a glorious manifestation of his... He's good. good. Listen, God can't turn off good. He he doesn't ever, no matter what you do. See, I've already stopped. Okay. For, you already know that. As a result of this, he has given you, say me, Me. magnificent. Say magnificent. magnificent. Promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous, now they're tremendous, they were magnificent, now they're tremendous, promises, we, say we, we. can experience partnership. <gasps> partnership? Have you ever been partnered with somebody? Yeah. What's a partnership? Together. Equal. Yeah. Partnership with, look at that, divine nature. Oh. Yeah. By which... You have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. 
Thank you for the escape plan. So devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness and to goodness add understanding and to understanding add strength of self-control and to self-control add patient endurance and to patient endurance add godliness and to godliness add mercy toward your brothers and sisters and to mercy toward others add unending love. So that tells us other people need love and our brothers and sisters need mercy. Just saying. Since... These virtues are already deeply planted, uh, planted deep within you. You possess them in abundant supply. They will keep you from being inactive. There's a key. Or fruitless. Ooh, don't you hate that? In your pursuit of knowing Jesus more intimately. Is that what you're pursuing? Yes. But. Say but. But. Say nine's the butt. Nine's the butt. If anyone lacks these things, he's just blind. Because he's not really lacking them. He can't see. That's different than not having. So let me help you. If you're talking with someone has hasn't fully surrendered to Jesus, made Jesus Lord, and you're trying to talk to them about this abundance, they are blind. All they can see is lack. You're hitting your you're hitting your head up against the wall because they can't see it. They're blind. They're blind. They're blind. They're blind. So t- talk to them about how getting how to get unblind versus talking to them about the promises. That'll just be weighty for them. Listen, can you see that? I don't know if you understand this, but more means I stirred more. If I can't stir the little I have. If I got my head stuck in the sand, my house is falling down all around me, I can't see anything, I don't change the oil on my car, change the tires on my car, then what's happened? I am not a steward of the abundance. So he can't give me more. Right. Why? Because he's a good dad. Yes. Right? Yes. He's blind, constantly closing his eyes. This is another key. This is what they're doing. They're constantly closing their eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence for his past sins have been washed away. That's all that's going on right there. Just It's a really good thing to remember where people are. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. Wow. God claimed you. That's why you're not alone. Do you know you've been claimed? You know when you get the lost and found? You know, we have a small amount of lost and found here. And it's like, whose is this? Why has this been here for six months? Why is this sitting here? It's usually something Lynn's putting on her back or something, you know. We're just looking for an owner. So see, that's what happened to us. We wanted someone in our family to own us. And they were blind. Yeah, come on. So they couldn't own us. Yeah. So he did. Yeah. Beautiful, right? right? What a beautiful, cool plan. For this reason, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. As a result, the kingdom's gates 
will open wide to you as God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now that is packed full. If you would live your life by those truths, your life would change. That's jam-packed with what God wants to do, has done, pre-provided for you, right? Now I love in the Passion, he gave us this little snippet. He said that, um, let's see, he said, we'll do number 19, that these virtues are like equations of math. Now, I hate math, but Lynn likes math. This is the unfolding faith equation. So faith is something that you have that God gave you, right? Yes. Couldn't know Jesus without it. So this is he's saying this is an additional thing that faith is needing this exercise. So faith plus goodness what did y'all do yesterday? Who went to Gwen's yesterday? Who went to the Riches yesterday? I mean, we almost had 100% participation. What happened right there? You were being good. Yeah. You were demonstrating goodness, yeah. right? Now, y'all had faith that Pam and I had everything ready, right? right? You didn't have to go to Home Depot, right? Well, Tracy did, but you didn't have to go to Home Depot, right? You didn't have to go get the chit-chat, Right? So that was faith plus goodness. So what did you get? Understanding. It's really that simple. See, we, we want to get understanding just by doing nothing. Faith needs this, to, this equation to go on in your life, right? Your body needs to know that it can press in and do something for somebody else. I mean, we could have hired it done. I could have just t taken up money for three years and said, do you have $4,000 that we can pay somebody to do all this? Yeah. Right? But what did it feel like to do something for someone who's been super faithful, been here a long time, who is like sort of like a widow among us in a way? What did it? the Bible said to take care of them, right? Take care. Right. So what did it feel like? Now, when you're over at the riches, what does that feel like? Amazing. Why? I mean, I know stuff you don't know. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing what God is doing. He's, he's making these equations mean something. So go down to the next one. Goodness plus understanding means inner strength. How many had to have some inner strength yesterday? Do you see the equation going on? This is the ads... This is how you make the promises of God multiply personally. So when I call and I say, hey, we got this need, you're not like, well, I hope somebody else volunteers. Right? You're like, wait, I felt a way after we did that. I mean, I don't think anybody felt crappy after, right? You know, so then like, you know, when we say, hey, we need a little help to do this. You're like, oh, I remember that equation. I remember where I showed up knowing that somebody would have it organized. I was good to somebody. Oh, I got some new understanding. And what happens? I developed some inner strength. Do you see? If you could just, this is a great, the next one, of course, is understanding plus inner strength equals... Patience. So that tells me I'm going to need some inner strength before I learn patience. Yeah. 
Because what does patience do? It puts pressure internally. Right? Anyway, I'm not going to talk about all these, but inner strength and patience equals godliness. Patience and godliness equals mercy. How many want to have more, more mercy? And look at there. Godliness plus mercy equals love. Who, who do we really need love for? People that are hard to love. It's not hard to love me because I'm so nice. I loved you first. <laughs> but some people are hard to love, right? Love isn't rescue. Listen, we, I didn't see rescue on any of that equations of faith, right? Let's get out of rescue and into love. That's what I say, right? Because you see, love's the last thing. Like, we're trying to get people to love that don't have any inner strength. Let's, let's try to see. He probably put these in a specific order for a specific reason. All right? Go and learn. Okay. All right. That's a really good thing for you to remember. Now, back to our handout. Oh, we lost somebody. Okay. Creating kingdom definitions creates personal increase of kingdom abundance. That's what I'm doing. I am recreating definitions for you. Listen, there's so much of the time that we don't even know why we think what we think. You know, we don't remember where it came from or how it got in there, and it's just so solid, right? I mean, food's a big one. You know, I've had every kind of conversation you can ever imagine about food with people because everybody has to have it, right? But, you know, I love the scripture that says, well... No matter what, even if, if, even if I eat stupid, what does he say? Does anybody know that scripture? Oh, y'all got to go and find that one then. Oh, I stumped everybody. What, what, why he described, God describes in his word how to handle every situation. We get so hung up with control that we, we really aren't consulting the word anymore. We get so hung up with solving our own problem personally that we're not actually consulting the Holy Spirit. You know, Shudi and I had this conversation when I first met her. She said, I'm lactose intolerant. I said, no, you're not. You know, I've had lots of people come to me and say, I'm ADHDAB. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're a sanguine. But listen. <laughs> All the things we need, it said, for life and godliness and goodness are deposited. So, come on, just stretch your imagination a little bit. What if something in me has been deposited and my definition about it is wrong and wacky? So I put a bunch of actions with this wacky definition and I can't remember anymore what he really says. Promises pre-deposited. Nothing for harm. So can't you see that there's an abundance that if I will look at it and I will seek something about it, I will find solutions. Now, she could have stopped eating ice cream her whole life. Daughter of dairy man right here. I knew she wasn't lactose intolerant. What was the problem? It was an anxiety problem. Where did anxiety come from? It came from being out of her position. 
Why was she in the position she was in, taking that course in school, doing that thing that was making her sick because she was trying to solve a problem from her childhood? Y'all know her story. Her mom told her she was the cause of a problem in her twin brother, and so she spent the rest of her life going to be the answer to that problem that her mom just probably don't even remember saying it. That's how she got to lactose intolerant. That was many, 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 many steps down the road. Right? I'm just using that as an example. Create kingdom definitions. If you don't, you're going to put a bunch of systems in place. Hand me like a good system. Come on. You're going to, you're going to have a bunch of systems in place that are a crapshoot and they're not good. You are. You are. I said crap. I know. And, and they're not going to be good for you. They're not going to be good for your family. They're not going to be successful. And you're not going to have any measurements to know even if they're fruit bearing. Fruit's vitally important. Abundance in the kingdom is measured not by what you have, but what you give away. Now listen, this is a mature statement. And it freaks all orphans out. Because orphans think like this. How can I just be one rung of the ladder better than I am right now? That's what they think. That's how orphans think. So they, they don't have a big vision for their life. They're just saying, well, how can I just not live paycheck to paycheck? Right? That's not kingdom thinking. That's not kingdom abundance. I'm going to keep going and help you out here. Fullness in the kingdom is measured by overflow, not what you contain. Remember that analogy I gave you, you know, where Bill was filling up the thing with water, and when it's full, it's when it's overflowing. The kingdom is meant to be displayed and emulated. So this tells us when I discover this new definition of kingdom abundance, other people will flock to me and say, what's going on with you? It will happen because Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus, right? They're going to come because you're a true follower then. See, when you're just like them, when you're just like, think about it. When you're, I love Lynn has this great story where she, um, you know, was working for these people and they invited her to the Thunder game. They invited her here. They invited her here, Las Vegas. They did all these, ha, cha, cha, ha, hoo, ha, 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 ha. Felt good, felt good. Cars, money, all kinds of stuff getting thrown at her. And they were sitting at the Thunder game and the lady said, do you want some wine? Now, we, we don't, I don't believe in drinking, just saying. So I've never had a drink in my life, but she had. And she was like, well, it's okay because they're being so good to me. Now, see, I, I didn't know her then, but she said the moment she put that wine in her mouth, the whole, she heard the Holy Spirit say, you just lost your witness. Now, I don't, I'm not saying y'all have to go by these rules, but I'm saying she knew that in that moment, she lost influence because she was influenced. And see, you've got to know what you're called to do and who you're meant to influence. You know, we're, we're not about being, sorry, not about being perfect, but we're about, I told a story on you, Lynn, while you were gone, but we're about <laughs> following kingdom principles, right? Let's read Matthew 16. 
Jesus said, if you truly want to follow me, we sang about today, you should, should at once. When? When is that? When is the once? When you hear it. And when will the once be tomorrow? Then. When tomorrow comes, there'll be a once then too. It's a daily. Completely reject and disown your life. Oh, orphans like, no, no, no. No, if I don't care for me, no one will. I'm my number one fan. I've been hurt by people who said what you're saying. That's what happens to orphans. But Jesus said it. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. What was really the cross? What did Jesus say in the garden? Mm -hmm. He said, God, if you want this to pass on over me, he was being human. Then that'd be cool. Because I saw that guy last week get crucified, and that looks yucky. Yeah. However, not my will. Yeah. So that means standing in the middle of not picking your will, you're going to remember a pretty cruddy story that you're fixing to pick. Yeah. <laughs> That's how humanity works. I've made a lot of hard choices. And while I'm about to make the hard choice, I'm reminded of someone that didn't make the hard choice and they didn't die. And I'll be like, hmm, wonder, wonder if I could get away with that. I mean, because they did it. Look, they're, they're still living. It is true. I remember when God was asking me to do different things and I would be sitting right there while somebody beside me got the very thing I was wanting. Stupid thing now, but I would want something so bad. Remember in your 20s when you wanted stuff real bad? Anybody? Wanted it really bad. Anybody know what I'm talking about at all? And then he'd be like, and somebody right beside you get it. And you and you'd hear him say, Your will or mine? Oh, maybe you didn't hear him say that. Well, I heard him say that. <laughs> Your will or mine. Because every day, two trees, your will or his. Every day. It never ends. Still happening. But this is what he said. But if you choose it, if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your life for me, for my glory, you will continually discover true life. That's what that tells me. What's connected to true life, the continual discovery of it is letting go of mine. I'm letting go of a dead end. For the discovery of life and life and life and life and life and life. What am I letting go of? What I conjured up in a fantasy world in my head. It never is what I think. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. I've had it happen. Come on, if you've had it happen, it's the reality, isn't it? This is a kingdom definition of abundance. Everything he has is connected to everything that you will give up. And there'll come a day where he'll say, yeah, you can have that poo. 
I've been wanting to poo since I was married, 1990. What year is this now? How many years ago was that? 33 years. He finally said yes to poo. But I had to share it. <laughs> the whole bunch of other people. I had to let them all come live with me. I was just thinking about my poo for myself. Now it's everybody's poo. But guess what? There's much. There's way more joy in a poo for all my friends than a poo by myself. When I was married, I could have had a poo. We was rich. I could have had poo. But see, now it's a shared joy. I always tell people this. When you can join, your joys are double and your sorrows are half as hard. When I'm by myself, pig in a poke, you don't know what you're going to get. For even if you were to gain all the wealth, this is an example he's trying to tell you right now, all the wealth and power of this world at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable than your own soul? So here's the, here's the principle, okay? When you give up your will, you're really gaining the power to control your soul. Because the power to control your soul comes through the divine enablement, not your own self-will. You do not have enough power to control your own souls. You can't make up enough systems. You can't get up enough people all up in yourself, all around you. You cannot do it. You're really losing the power to not be able to control your own soul. I know you think you're losing. See, if we didn't have a kingdom built up, you know, I've been doing this from birth. I didn't build a kingdom without God. So it didn't cost me anything. It's all been a gain. What is it costing me? It's costing me this kingdom I built without him. And then I look over there and go, well, I don't know. I don't know. Do I want that? If I hadn't built something, with my own hands. That's why it says right there, anyone who has left behind their home or property, leaving family, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children for my sake, they will be repaid a hundred times over and inherit an eternal life. So go ahead, add it up. Let's ask Lenny. What's it like, Lenny, to be a prophet and lose two of your children? Put a money value on that, babe. What's that like? But see, she's tasted of something that gave her a promise. See, the promise superseded the cost. Yes. Yeah. Oh, only Phil got that. That's okay. I feel got it. It's good. But many who push themselves to be first will find themselves last. And those who are willing to be last will find themselves first. The next thing is being mentored by kingdom examples. In Philippians, it says, letting go of everything from my past. Anybody got a past? Why is it so hard to let go of it? What's back there? What are we doing? Mostly, it's shame. Mostly. I mean, you know, we've had a few successes. You know, the one thing that God spoke to me years ago you know, I had a measure of success in high school, you know, for my day. 
you know, set state records in the paper, on the news. That sounds like a, a, a level of success. But it is literally nothing in my world now. But, you know, if, I, if I'm not careful, I would have had a kid and I would have said, fulfill the next level of the dream that I gave up. Fulfill it so I can watch it. Not asking God what was in store for that child, but fulfilling or trying to keep my child out of the pain that I was in. Neither one are good. Right? I throw all my boasting to the garbage heap. It's like a pile of near. Right? Y'all go on and read that one, okay? At the very end of that, it says, Imitate my walk. This is on the next page. With God and follow all those who walk according to the way of life we model before you. What does that tell us? Paul is demonstrating. Remember what Paul did? He murdered Christians. That was his previous life. And he was on his high horse. He thought he was pious. Think about that. I'm a murderer and I think I'm awesome. Really? I mean that. You think about how delusional, you think your family members aren't delusional, that's how we get there. Like, I am literally killing people, and I think I'm having to give up because I'm so awesome. But he flipped it to where he became the most humble. And, And what happened? He then was an instruction giver for those who didn't know how to live it. See, that's, that's really what's happening for all of y'all. You had this old life. You thought you were cool. <laughs> right? Thought you had it going. You'd gotten you some stuff. You'd bought you some, bought you an air fryer. You're doing good. You got you a new microwave. And, right, right. And then something comes along. You know, I love to watch little Roly's interaction with Mimi about fixing their house. You know, he'll be like, hey, are we, he, he just doesn't even care. Hey, are we getting that? Like, he's just telling her, are we getting an island? We need an island. Like, he's just telling her, like, it's just a factual thing that Teresa can just poof an island out of the middle of nothing. But Mimi's like, yeah, you're getting that. And he's like, cool. It's just normal. I don't think his parents feel the same way about it. They're freaked out. We took the wall out. Right? See, it's, it's all about a mindset. Do you see it? But here's, here's the crux, and I'm going to be done with this for today. Am I? Is that? See, I'm just on page three. When we are mentored by the world, we gain the world's goods. Listen, at the end of the day, there are just two sides. There's not three or four or five or ten. And can I help you? You can be receiving advice from somebody for your life at one stage in your life and that become not wisdom for you in the next level that you go to. You can outgrow someone else's wisdom. I hope y'all do that for me. I hope one day I'm looking at y'all and you're like, that's not wisdom, Teresa. I'll be like, cool! I do. I hope that for you. I hope I'm not the wisest person in the room. Why? Because if you're mentored by the world, you get the fruit of the world. But 
It says right here, everyone who hears my teaching and applies it, say apply it, say apply it, say apply it. That means I'm telling you some good stuff right now. And if you go do it tomorrow, you're applying it to your life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation when it rained and it flood and the fierce winds were beating upon his house. It stood firm because of his strong foundation. Foundation is everything. We know what happened to the lousy other guy. Second Corinthians six, don't continue to team up with unbelievers. Why? They're unbelievers. In a mismatched alliance, for what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? What is there? Zero. Remember what we said at the beginning? We're partners. So that means you're inviting Jesus into a partnership with somebody that doesn't even know him. That just feels so clear to me. I don't know about y'all, but it's like you're saying, I know Jesus. He's with me. We're partnered up. Now, you who don't even know anything about God, you come over here and tell us what to do. And Jesus is like, whoa, they're not part of the board. I didn't invite them to the board meeting. I didn't put them on the board. They're, they're influencing you with their words and decisions and actions and thoughts, and they're not even of me. Listen, this happens to us all the time. It says, who can mingle light and dark? Can you? What harmony can there be between Christ and Satan? So that tells us the two sides right there. Or what does a believer excuse me, have in common with an unbeliever. What friendship does God's temple have with demons? It's getting a little clearer now, isn't it? For indeed, we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will make my home in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. That's what God said. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for someone that'll be his people. And there's just one, and it's free to get in. So don't partner up. Don't get your wisdom. Don't yoke up and bow to anyone that doesn't know God. This is about abundance. Now remember what I'm talking about right now. You'll lose that. That abundance will run right out of your fingers. You'll be working yourself to death, extra hours. That's a whole other thing I could talk about, but I'm not going to talk about it today. And you have partnered up with something that causes it to drain from your hand. Now, let me just say this. First and foremost, I've owned my business for, I've owned a business for 30 years. I came out of the corporate world. I worked in one of those really tall buildings downtown, Oklahoma City. And whenever... God told me to start my own business. I started it by not charging our first two or three customers. They, I, I worked for a single mom for a while, Pam and I did, and we, we redid her whole house for free. And now every single job we do, we do something for free. Every single job. And we do a lot of stuff for free. But I'm just saying, the principle of why our business has been successful going to three different states and starting it there too, successful in all the states we've been in, is because everything we do is about the foundation of giving. And I'm just telling you that you will never outgive 
you know, I'm, I'm challenging y'all, you know, to help us blow out this room and, and help Gwen help the riches. Listen, you're investing in something for you because God is going to pay for it. You're just getting invited by me to invest in something that will benefit you in the long run. And you may not see it that way. You know, I appreciate Alicia so much. I mean, thanks. She's got 4,000 kids. And she will come during the week and, and work over there all day at the riches. Like what? I mean, that, she's my people. Why? Because, you know, she may not have some of this green stuff to give me, but she's got these. And listen, and she does it real happily. Like, she's like, tell Pam, show me how to do this. Show me how to, she's wanting to learn. She's like going, y'all are all, I mean, she's, she's bragging on us. I'm like, give me 4,000 of her. Do you see what I'm saying? That that's an investment. That's what she's saying, that she's investing what she has. She's that little woman with the two pennies. That's her. She's investing what she has. Now, what's God going to do? Remember what Jesus said? That moved him more than anything because she was giving out of something that she could give. And I mean, I think it's amazing. And that's, that is the lifestyle of a culture of honor. Right? And so remember, the culture of the world will produce culture, worldly uh, fruit. It just will. Sorry, we had a thing there. Anyway, okay, I'll stop. Come on. I know. I didn't know if Mihal was going to say anything or not. So I could just keep going on and on. Oh, so good. We would be fine with that too. Okay, I have a little um, nugget to share with you, and I'm just going to let you into the way things happen in my mind, okay? I don't have it all written out, and this would probably be better with a graphic, but I just feel like it went along with today, and it's really cool to me. So, um, interestingly, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does with me is he points out little things or has me ask odd little questions, you know, that then confound me for a while. But I just, I've kind of gotten used to it. So eventually he'll give me some sort of answer in a roundabout way. So a while back, we did a song called, um, we wrote a song called Jehovah Reigns. That was this year. Well, then sometime after that, I happened to see or hear this little snippet that said that Jehovah, the name, the word Jehovah was an artificial word. I was like, what? You're telling me Jehovah, like somebody made up the name Jehovah? That's not really for him. That's not actually in the Bible. It wasn't actually in the Bible. How can that be? Okay, so I'm just like, I don't know what the answer is. So all this time now, I haven't known what the answer is to that question. And that didn't keep us from singing it because we know what we're talking about, right? We know what we're saying. It's been accepted in culture. This is this. We know who we're talking about God. Well, then I've keep having these encounters with him recently and writing these different things that are talking about the I am. I'm the, the great I am. And there's the journey of I am and all of this about I am. So that led me to looking up where in scripture that comes from and the name of God as I am. And so that was first mentioned. So this is what I figured out. I learned yesterday. Okay. I just kind of came across it. It's really interesting to me, but I am was first mentioned in the Bible in Exodus when God revealed himself through an angel in the burning bush and all of that to Moses to say, um, I want you to go and rescue my people out of Egypt. That's when um, he first said, I am. 
And prior to that, in scripture and prior to that time, the only word used for God was like Elohim or El, which was apparently more of a title. It wasn't a name. It was more of a title. It's a difference, right? Like if you say apostle, that's not the same as Teresa, you know. So that moment when God appeared to Moses and said, um, Moses asked, well, who should I say sent me? He says, I am. And that was God revealing his personal name, okay, which is cool in itself. And to me, it speaks to the fact that it goes along with the story, of course, in Moses, that he wanted to be, I will be your God and you will be my people. So how will I be your God and you be my people unless you know me personally by name, right? So now I think this applies to us um, in so many ways, but one of the cool prophetic um, ways that I see this going together. If, if you remember back in the beginning of 2021 or 22, um, I talked, I mentioned in the word of the year about how the Israelites, when they were rescued from Egypt, had been so embedded in that culture, they may not have even had the mentality to recognize that they were slaves. They just, that was how their life was. And I, I was just reminded in reading the story that for 400 years, they had been enslaved by the Egyptians. 400 years. Do you realize, like, that's older than America? Like, what does that put us back to the 1700s? Can we even remember what culture was like for us prior to 1700? No, we don't know. So think about how long we've been in our culture. And I, and Johnny Enlow said this in a roundabout way, and I heard it from the Holy Spirit too, that there would come a day when we would realize that we have been enslaved to a culture of fear and that God was rescuing us out of that right now. And that we, we don't even know we're slaves, but that we are. We've actually been enslaved in so many ways, and we're in the process of being rescued right now. So that, to me, ties us together with this story that God is telling Moses, I want to be God for my people. I want them to be uh, my people. So he says, uh, I, so Moses asked him, I am. Who, you know, what's your name? He says, I am. But then he says, when you, um, sorry, let me back up. The Hebrew is for I am actually is something along the lines of, Aye, Asher, Aye. And that is really translated to more of I am who I am, or I will be what I will be. I will be. So it's more of, it was more of a tense of a verb of like, this is who I intend to be. This is who I am and this is who I be. It's more of an action statement in his name. So, but then he can't. Um, that was him speaking for himself in first person. So then he tells Moses, when you go to the leaders of the tribes of Israel, tell them Yahweh, Asher, Yahweh. That was the third, I mean, the third person tense of the same thing. So at first is I am who I am and I will be what I will be. But then it changes to Yahweh, Asher, Yahweh, which is he will be what he will be. Okay, so it's just a tense a different tense of the name. So that's where Yahweh comes from because he says, Yahweh, Asher, Yahweh sent me to set you free. Well, it turns out that the, um, the people of that time thought that God has revealed his name. That is too sacred for us. We can't speak that because we're too sinful to speak his name. 
So because they didn't want anybody to speak the name, they took the vowels out of the word Yahweh so that no one could say it. So that it would you would remember if you were reading the word, if you're reading the Torah and all that, that you would never actually say it. Because when you saw the, the letters, there's no vowels. So it's Y-H-W-H. Okay, so that's how that got shortened. I never knew that. Now, what's different between us and them? Do we have that sin nature now? Do we ha- are we tainted by sin? No. So are we too sinful to say God's personal name that he said, this is my name, this is who I am? We're not. So shouldn't we be, that should shift something in us, right? That should, sh- should shift something in us. And so interestingly, this is all going back to Jehovah, right? What happened was they trained people whenever they were reading the word to not say Yahweh and instead say Adonai, which means like my Lord. It was a reference because we can call him a title, but we can't call him by his first name. That would be disrespectful. That's what they thought. Okay. So, but of course, years and years and years are passing by. And and what are you going to do? Tell everybody that disclaimer before you give them the word, you know, everybody, you have to have this disclaimer. So they started, they decided at some point to take the vowels out of the word Adonai and insert them into the remaining letters of Yahweh. Okay, so they created a word in scripture that they could write so that people would know to say this made up word so that they wouldn't say the sacred word. Okay, so that if you put the vowels from Adonai, which is A-O-A-I, into Y-H-W-H, it sounds like Yehoah, 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 Yehoah. Okay, so years down the road, when the Greek got involved and there was, you know, translation um, of the scripture, it became, it started being translated with the J because of how it sounded. So that is how Jehovah came about. Isn't that crazy? I just think that is so cool. However, it occurs to me, nothing happens when it comes to God just by accident, right? There's always some other meaning. So I believe that this Jehovah word that God gave me the question, you know, put that little seed in me to ask and wonder about is that it's a, the Yahweh originally is he will be who will be. He will be what he will be combined with my Lord. It's a, a merging of the two. So I propose that it's when we say you are my Lord, you will be who you will be. That's Jehovah to me. That's Jehovah. When I say, when I call you Lord, then your name can be, you will be who you will be. And I'm just saying that is where we are right now. And other prophetic words and things I've written and things other people are saying, God is shouting it from the rooftops. I will be God. I will be who I will be. I will be who I am. And that is what he originally said to Moses, that I am who I am and I will be. So he is everlasting. He has always been who he said he would be, and he wants to be it for us. And so that partnership of us getting in our proper position and making him Lord, then he gets to be who he is. Isn't that awesome? So fun. 
You can see why I just couldn't help but share it today, even though I didn't have it all figured out exactly. So fun, fun, fun. I think it goes along with this um, stewarding abundance. It's exactly what Tisa just shared about when we will be who we, we are and make him Lord, he can be who he is to us. And it's what he's always wanted. And that's what he's doing. There's just so much momentum behind it. I'm sure you all know he is going to be God. He is going to be himself. He is going to be the abundance of everything. And so if we get in that right position with him, we can just, we can just receive who he is because he is determined to be himself. He is determined to be himself. So, Papa, we just say thank you. We love who you are. We love who you are. We don't want to restrict you from being who you are. We want you to be unrestrained in your fathering, in your godness, in your I amness. We want you to be unrestrained over us. And so we call you Lord. We say, we personally say, you are my Lord. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. Be who you are. Be who you are for us as a tribe, for us as a city, as a nation, over this whole earth. Be who you are. It's time for you to shine, God. It's time for you to shine without restraint. So we exalt you today. We say you are Lord over us and all that we are. You can have all of us. We give you our whole life. We completely lay down what we had in the past, who we thought we were, everything about us, and we submit ourselves to you and say, you can have the all of us. You can have the all of us so that you can be the all of who you are and have always been. So we thank you. We thank you for this message today. We thank you for all that you're pouring out. We thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made for us so that we could enter into this relationship of knowing God face to face, of being um, cleansed so that we can call you by name. We don't have to separate ourselves from you. We can proclaim your name as a promise, as a declaration over every promise that you've made. We can say, this is who you are. It's in your word. It's a promise you made. And this is who you are. And you've never changed. And you will be this for me. And we can declare it and declare it and declare it from the rooftops because of the price you paid for us, Jesus. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you search the heart of the Father for what we need to know in these moments. You search the heart of the Father and reveal it to us so that we can begin to partner with that truth and make that declaration over ourselves and over our lives and over everything that we are facing. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way you minister to us and that you lead us and comfort us and bring healing to us and bring us into wholeness with who we are and who God is together. So we praise your name, Papa. We praise your name, Yahweh. We praise your name, Yahweh. We praise your name, Jehovah. We love you and we say you reign today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.